0: what you gotta do. Do what you wanna do. A lot of y'all don't know what that, um, my intro music is. If you're not from Chicago, you're not gonna get it. Psycho drama. Real as rap niggas from Chicago. <laughs> but anyway, how y'all doing? Good afternoon. It's May. That means we're almost halfway through the year already. always feel like I'm tired I'm always tired no amount of kool-aid cannot make me tired so much foolishness going on in the news right now what the fuck is going on um white people bugging as usual that's what they do but I want to want to really focus on um recently all the think pieces have been focused on Taylor Swift and her, her poor gentrified version of Beyonce's Coachella performance that's now streaming on Netflix. And by the way, I had to watch it again on Netflix. yellow outfit and pink outfit and it like sinks perfectly like for, for a few minutes I thought it was like the lights or some shit like they had on some like special like material that would make the outfits look yellow in one light and pink in the other that's how of a great edit it is seriously like it is some awesome shit so she performs all her her hot songs my favorite Beyonce song is me myself and I like I have a lot of songs that I like by Beyonce but me myself and I is definitely top three definitely so as many of y'all may know I have an actual media professional media background and I kind of want to go into this um Uh, I I was thinking about writing it as an article, which I probably am, but I want to just speak it out as raw as possible because I'm going to actually clean it up if I do write it because you know, white people are sensitive and you know, a bitch might need to go back into corporate America and (laughs) you know how sensitive they could be. So, um, In the past few years, we've seen like this new type of branding that provokes people online. Like, I want to call it like enraged marketing, right? And what I mean by that is like a brand or a media organization um, would put something out into the public that's very racial insensitive. It's racially insensitive. And all of a sudden... Every news organization is writing a think piece about it. For example, when I believe it was Abercrombie and Fitch, they was doing like slave jewelry or some shit like that a few years ago. Where like they were selling these, you know, these supposed to be avant-garde bracelets, but they look like, you know, chains that you know that were on a slave ship another example I wrote an article on Huffington Post a couple years ago about Whole Foods gentrifying collard greens by putting like cranberries and peanuts and shit in them and saying hey this is some good style you know collard greens and We're selling them for $45 or some shit like that. I mean, I'm exaggerating with the price, but I'm not exaggerating with the recipe. (laughs) Um, Another example. Dove, you know, having like that commercial or video where like the girl wants to be cleaner. So she starts off with a black girl that ends up being white. Another example, um, Gucci and their quote-unquote blackface sweater, okay? Like, this is examples after examples after examples. And the first thing, especially us as black people, the first thing we say is like, they need more black and brown people in their marketing. But let me tell you something. As a person who has sat in marketing rooms, nothing is put out as a mistake. Like, it's not, let me just explain the process. Like, if a brand comes to a marketing agency and they say, we want to launch this product. The goal of the marketing agency is to get a budget from the brand and to maximize, ex, maximize the exposure of the brand within the budget. So if, let's say, you know, a soda company says, you know, we only have a $50,000 budget. And we need a video, we need a campaign, we need the social media, X, Y, and Z. That marketing agency has to come up with a campaign surrounding the brand and how to use social media to propel that campaign. <clears throat> Now, campaigns happen every single day. We just don't see them because, you know, we're we have our we have our interests and we know what we like and you know, even if we think of something, it'll come up on Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. But with campaigns, if you're a marketing agency, you get business. Based on impressions and execution. What I mean by that, you know, these brands, especially if they have like boot checks on them and stuff like that, they can have a hundred thousand fans on Facebook. But if you look at their posts, you know, out of a hundred thousand fans on a daily basis, they might get 50 likes on this post, maybe 200 likes on another post. You know, another 100 likes on this post. The engagement to fan ratio is generally low. It's way off. Similar to Instagram. Instagram users, their um, Instagram engagement is, you know, usually under 2%, you know, um, of their actual followers. So, of course, you need more followers to... Make that 2% actually hit. So if you have like a thousand followers, you know, approximately, you know, 200 people at best are probably seeing your posts all the time. That's why you use the hashtags so you can like maximize your exposure or, you know, uh, you know, well, actually, you know what? 2% of a 1,000 is actually 20, not 200. But you get what I mean, right? (laughs) Because I know somebody going to be like, well, actually, 2%, blah, 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 blah. But what I'm saying is a very small percent of your social media numbers actually sees your content. And that is a mix of algorithms, timing, and just, you know, a variety of things why people don't see all your posts, you know um, so you have to pay for it. You have to pay to get your shit seen. so these brands they're giving Facebook and Instagram and Twitter five thousand here, three thousand there, you know all those sponsor posts you see on Twitter, you know, four thousand here. And that's how you really maximize your exposure. But money can only do so much. Money doesn't really... Money doesn't encourage conversation, really. It can start it, you know, it can like provoke it, but it doesn't really continue the conversation of the campaign give you an example. So if you see a promoted tweet about you know, new sneakers from Nike, a few people will reply to it, retweet it, like it. Especially like super fans, you know, they'll really like it and and engage with it. But if the person that's wearing the sneakers is like, you know, Colin Kaepernick, with a Black Lives Matter top on, with its fist in the air, that is where the trending topics begin. Because you have so many people that are either loving it as a visual and as a message, or you have people who absolutely hate it, are offended by it, and they keep talking about it. So we saw that with Nike. We saw with Nike and, you know, people were burning their shoes. No amount of money can buy that type of campaign brand conversation. But what I mean by enraged racism marketing is brands and advertising agencies are intentionally provoking And using racism to have black people do the labor to propel them to be a trending topic. Am I making sense? What I mean is that if. I see if if, a, if Black Twitter, you know, sees something that's racist, you know, they're gonna call it out. They're gonna, you know, start adding the companies and the brands and find out who was on the marketing team on LinkedIn and blow that spot up. However, all of that effort boosts the algorithms of the conversation. Now you have a hashtag. Now that hashtag goes to Instagram. Now that hashtag goes to Facebook and Reddit. And now media members such as myself are looking at this hashtag, reading the conversation within the hashtag, screenshotting the tweets and the posts, and writing a think piece out of it. Now that you've written a think piece out of it, other media organizations and bloggers are writing the think, thing piece about it. So now, this brand that has invoked and provoked this type of enraged racism marketing, not only are people talking about the brand, they are getting all of the press mention, mentions. So they got an op ed on New York Times, they got a they got a contributing post on. Washington Post they got you know someone talking about them and dissing them on the route. they got you know um think pieces being on the reel. so the fifty thousand dollars they put into this campaign they're getting like millions of impressions back and it's not even because it's good press but it's press period. And you can't buy that kind of press. So I find it, you know, a bit ah, disheartening that racism and the triggers of racism are a marketing ploy for agencies and, and artists such as Taylor Swift to... Frame themselves in the conversation so they can trend. You know what I'm saying? So, like, so you know Taylor Taylor Swift did her her own rendition of Beyonce's Coachella performance. I guess that was the VMAs. <sighs> she is so exhausting. Beautiful gowns, beautiful gowns, and. You know, people were talking about it like everywhere, all on social media where I haven't even seen the performance myself, but I saw so many posts about it that, you know, I was reading on Twitter and Facebook and I saw the Instagram screenshots and it's like, even if people don't like her performance, they're talking about her performance and that's Better than nothing. Now, from a brand perspective, if that was like you know Dove or you know any other brand, a cold a soda brand or whatever the case may be, triggering black people on social media isn't a loss because one. aren't their biggest demographic or they're not worried about losing black customers. So you have two things that you have two things at play here. You have a brand, you have brands that don't care about black consumers, whether they're, you know, they're not trying to reach out to black consumers and they don't care about black consumers. So there's no loss at offending black consumers or, black influencers or you know just black people in general on um or potential customers because in the eyes of the brand and the marketing agency black people are not their consumers are they're not their um preferred demographic but they use black people and social media because you know black people are a very social media. they use that conversation of. Um, both racism and, into, and being insensitive with their branding and their campaign so black people can talk about them so basically when you see these racist brand campaigns they are using black people to help get them press. Now, just by chance, if you know there are some Taylor Swift fans listening to this, you know, I can address all five of y'all. Here's the issue of course, any other artist can have a band playing, Beyonce doesn't own bands. Beyonce doesn't own drummers. She doesn't own any theatrics that we've seen her do. But the issue is, you know, artists often, you know, copy each other. And of course, you know, leave it to, you know, Beyonce has copied people. You know, but the thing is, she's been influenced by other people and made it her own. Watching Taylor Swift try to emulate an HBCU experience was kind of cringeworthy. Because, you know, we know that's not something that's a thing, Right. Now we I'm not saying that, you know, big universities and private white institutions don't have bands, they do. But we definitely know the difference between private white institution bands and HBCU bands. And I don't know Taylor Swift music that well, but does she even have music that's like, you know, that complements big bands? Like school band music, like I don't know. I'm I mean it's pop music, so maybe, but I'm not aware. But this is like the second time that I'm aware that she's kind of like copied, you know, um something that was trending with a black artist and tried to like ride the wave a little bit I remember she tried to do something similar after Nicki Minaj and like I don't know they was like twerking somewhere on I don't know it was just real ridiculous but this isn't just targeted at Taylor Swift this is a general thing and this is kind of like a marketing um, trend I've seen even while I was working in marketing, like for instance, with Shea Moisture, right? A couple years ago, Shea Moisture, you know, they was bought. You know, um, they're still majority Black owned, but um, Unilever bought uh, like forty eight percent of Shea Moisture, and they've been trying to <clears throat> they've been trying to appeal to a broader non-ethnic, you know, audience because Shave Moisture and Nubian heritage has been like the black brand for like decades, right? Black bar soap, different, you know, varieties of black soap. You would go to like, you know, Mr. Smell Good Look Good store. You would go to Ox store. You would go to the Muslim store and you can always get your, you know, two for five, One for three, Nubian Heritage Black Soap, you know, you get the peppermint soap, you know, the Shea Butter Soap, you know, the Olive Oil Soap. That was my favorite for my face. I mean, I use the black soap for my face, too, because it's good for oily skin. And I don't have oily skin, but I use it as a as an exfoliating cleanser. But you would get all the soaps and the lotions. You know, the lotions have never really been cheap. The lotions have always been like, especially ones in a bottle, have always been like, eight, ten, fifteen dollars. But you know, you had to go to like the black bookstores to buy Nubian heritage, and uh, that's that was that was the core demographic. So when we saw, you know, and we've seen again because they haven't stopped that, you know, um, Shea Moisture start to kind of like cross the color lines. And, you know, I've seen a lot of um, I'm in a lot of mommy groups on Facebook and a lot of like, you know, when I'm not in a black mommy groups. And I'm in like the more, you know, non-diverse mommy groups. A lot of like the vegans, wellness influencers, bloggers, mommy bloggers. Talk about how much they love Shea Moisture for their babies. And how they use their, watch it with their hair. So I know if they are using it on their hair, that's something I'm definitely not going to use on my hair. And not shade. Just only truth and see, I've never really been into Shea Moisture. I only use like the Nubian Heritage bar soaps and lotions. But as far as like Shea Moisture for my hair, never, 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 never. I don't know. I just never got into it. Um, I always thought it was overpriced for what it was. And, you know, I felt the same way with a Carol's Daughter. I was never really into it. There's other black brands I appreciate like Urban um, Urban Hydration. Oh, I fucking love that stuff. I use it on my baby's hair too. That's how much that stuff is so awesome. Urban Hydration. I think they're in Target now. Get into it. I love Urban Hydration. Um, but there was other brands that I, I fuck with that I would. I never had a reason to like get into Shea Moisture. So, um, yeah. So we start seeing Shea Moisture. Um, you know, have white women in their videos and like Shea Moisture has always been like a natural hair staple for people. So to see kind of like white women in their videos and, you know, talk about how they use the product. And I've heard of a lot of women talk about how the product, you know, has changed over the years and they insist they haven't changed any of the ingredients. But, um, yeah, so that type of... See, the thing with Shea Moisture is black women were their demographic and they kind of like try to scoot them over to be like, hey, let's make room for others. And even now on their Shea Moisture's um, Facebook fan page, they're always getting called out by black women for their um, racially tone-deaf messages. Now, Unlike the other brands, they don't really cater to black women, so them not... So them losing black women as their, you know, consumer is not a big deal. But Shea Moisture is the opposite. It started as a black, you know, centered beauty brand, and it's like, now it's like, oh, you know, all hairstyle, all hair matters, you know? And it's kind of weird to see. So they are the opposite end of the spectrum. But it's not a good look. (laughs) It really isn't, you know? But my advice to people going forward is when you see these campaigns, don't think it's because marketing and brands are aloof and they're just culturally ignorant because it's not that. It is because they're doing it on purpose. They want Black people to maximize and push their impressions up, all right. Now, what I mean by impression impressions means retweets, likes, quotes, engagements, shares. That's impressions, and you can imagine like when a a, a a brand goes viral for being racist. I wish I had the numbers to break down. You know who is sharing and having the conversation by race and age. I'm. Willing to bet my last dollar is mostly black people and white people saying, Oh, it's so sensitive, but I'm pretty sure. So, black people, stop sharing and talking about insensitive, racially insensitive brands and branding and marketing. You are helping them by talking about it. I mean, I'm talking about it, too, but I'm talking about it because I want to inform y'all going forward, because this is this is a real this is a real life case study. You know, this is because think about it. If you had a business, right, that centered women and all your brand messages was insulting to men and, you know, Let's say every man, you know, men all over the country and all on social media, whether they're politicians, man rights activists, 4chan lurkers, Reddit, all talked about your marketing and how you hate men and this and that and how, you know, it's insensitive and it's sexist and blah, blah, blah. You only put in five ten thousand $10,000 to an agency to spread this message. But you're being talked about on Entertainment Tonight, TMZ, the New York Times, the Washington Post, you know, talk shows. You you got your money's worth. You got your money's worth. You got you got the people who hate the branding, who are talking about your brand. You have the people who agree with your message and new eyes who's never seen it buying your brand. You have people who are laughing at your brand, who are sharing it with their family and friends. So you have created an entire viral messaging by offending a demographic that you don't even cater to. So there's no loss to you, you know, except for the money you put into it. But that's not a loss. That's that's an investment. You made an investment and you offended a demographic that you don't even cater to. So losing their service or their business or their likes isn't even an issue. They're doing it on purpose. And they're going to keep doing it because you're driving their sales, their campaigns, their messages by talking about it. If black people will just stop talking about all this racially insensitive branding because I think the conversation is we're talking about it because a lot of us believe that they're doing it because they don't know any better. But I'm telling you, as someone who has been in a the room, they know exactly what they're doing. Make no mistake about that. It's all done on purpose. It takes, I mean, depending on the timeline of the campaign, they sit in a room, they draw up plans, right? They pass it through legal. Once the legal say, okay, you can say this, you can't say this, you can say this, you can't say this. They take it back to the brand. The brand improves, tweaks, whatever the case may be. They... They take it to the marketing team. The marketing team sits down with the public relations team. Okay, how can we market it? What words can we use? What words are we staying from? What colors are we using? You know, what's the scene? Who's our ideal, you know, consumer? And let me tell you something. For every brand I've ever worked with, no ideal consumer was a black person. I'm so serious. It's always been like Tom, who's like 35 to 45, white, educated, you know, annual income of $85,000. Likes to travel, likes his coffee block and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And likes to watch this, likes to read that. None of the brands I've worked with have censored black people or even minorities, you know, You're not the target consumer. So because you're not the target consumer, they don't give a fuck that you're offended. They just want you to talk about it because you are talking about it, driving them impressions, their impressions, the better their impressions, the higher their impressions, you know, the bigger their impression numbers are equals success to the brand, regardless of what you're saying about them. But The fact that you've made their impressions, you know, 500 times what they pay for is a success. And they're going to do it again. And that's just what it is. So shit, I'm just telling you, tripping, but I'm just keeping it 100. All right. So I'll see y'all when I see y'all.